Today is an amazing day. It's a prophetic time. And what's so cool, anytime there's a prophetic season in God, and we're in a season of prophetic, a prophetic season in God, the natural times always weigh out equally or similarly. They, they, they resonate and let you know what's going on. So today is Pentecost Sunday. And a lot of people say, well, what is Pentecost Sunday? Well, Pentecost Sunday is a festival. Pentecost actually is a festival that is supposed to continue throughout time. And what I want to talk to you about today is the shadow of where we're at and what I believe is going on in our nation, but to get you excited about where you're going. Anybody want to be excited about where you're going? So when we look at, there's really been two major Pentecosts. There's been a Pentecost ever since they were initiated, but two major ones where there was actually, uh, how would I say it, uh, an event, a major event that took place within it spiritually. Now, the very first Pentecost was when? It was when after Passover, because it's the feast that comes after Passover. Actually, you have Passover, then you have the, the Feast of Weeks, and then you have the 50th, which is 49 days, seven weeks, and then you have Passover, which is the 50th Pentecost, and it means 50th. It's a time of celebration of what went on before. So I'm going to take my time with this and just kind of keep it general and not get too deep with you. So the very first Passover happened when? During the time of Moses, right? Whenever the children of Israel had been in Egyptian bondage for about 400 years. And during that time of being in bondage for about 400 years, Moses, their deliverer, comes back to deliver him, and he's proclaiming to Pharaoh that to let God's people go, and he had to go through the plagues and all this different stuff. So what finally broke the deal for Pharaoh was one 24-hour plague, basically, when God told them how to prepare a Passover meal, take their sacrificial lamb, which is representative of our lamb, Jesus Christ, and put the blood of atonement over their doorway and said, that night, whoever does not have the atoning blood over the doorway, their firstborn child would die. Now, we know Egypt didn't know about it because they didn't serve God. God wasn't speaking to them. They certainly wasn't obeying God's prophets. The Bible says, obey his prophets and you'll prosper. That means weird, goofy people that think they're prophets. I'm not talking about prophet liars. I'm talking about true prophets and prophets. Anyway, don't get me going there. So, so, as this event took place, you know the story, the Bible story about Moses and then after the firstborn of the children of Egypt had passed away, you know, Pharaoh's like, go on, get them out of here. Now, by, just like the devil, by the time they get out of there, he decides he wants, he changes his mind, he wants them back. But they made it through, they made it through the Red Sea, and when they get on the other side and totally free, God began to speak to Moses, and he said, here's what I want you to do talk to the people, and we're going to have these feasts of remembrance. He wanted them to remember the events that took place. So the first one is the Passover, and that's what we celebrate right on Friday before Easter on Sunday because Jesus is what? Our first fruits, and he was actually crucified at the end of that, right? So, so not totally at the end of that, but anyway, he was the first fruit. So as as Moses told him what to do. He said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to have your Sabbath day, which is Saturday, basically. And then you're going to, we, we use Sunday in the Christian church today, but it's really more Saturday. But anyway, sixth day of the week. So then what happened is uh, the feast, he said, then you're going to have the week of feast, which is seven times seven, seven Sabbaths, which represents seven weeks, which is 49 days. And on the 50th day, you're going to have Shabbat, the festival of Shabbat, which is the festival of Pentecost, to celebrate, right, what took place over this time. So as we see the very first Passover and the very first celebration 
of Pentecost came on the heels of what? A great deliverance. God marked something and moved in a mighty way, and it became a tangible event that took place. Now, the second one, I believe it is the second greatest, is what? The book of Acts. Whenever Jesus, remember, he, he, uh, after he rose from the dead, what did he do? He went about preaching the gospel for 40 days and nights. And then in Acts chapter 1, what did he do? He told him in verse 8 to go wait on the promise, tarry and wait on the promise, being the Holy Spirit is coming. So at the end of the Feast of Weeks, that was about another nine days, seven days or so, at the end of this Feast of Weeks, what we call Pentecost, that's why they said on the festival of Pentecost, which is not a week long, it's one day. Have I lost everybody yet? Okay. So, so we have the one day, that was the day of Acts chapter 2 experience when the Spirit of God came in, right, to the upper room upon with fire and tongues upon the believers. And that's the event where no longer was the church following Jesus and could experience the Holy Spirit outwardly or through him. But this is when the church, a lot of people say the New Testament church was born. That's when the Holy Spirit indwelled the believers. And not only did he indwell the believers, he baptized them with fire and gave them the heavenly language of their prayer language or prayed in tongues. Now, the significance of that is the first group that served God could speak a heavenly language. But remember the Tower of Babel when they decided and they became evil, even though they still had that gift and they could operate and know uh, unseen things? They said, we're going to build this tower all the way to heaven. And they started building it. And God said, if I don't confuse them, they're going to do it. So he commanded the gift of their prayer language or, or the heavenly language to cease. But he gave it back in Acts chapter 2 with the promise. So not only are we the church, we that are born again, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. But we also have an opportunity, if you want to be, and most people in our church are, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The same way you get saved, you pray the prayer of faith to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you receive your prayer language, which is a heavenly language. The book of Jude said it's a language that when you pray, builds you up, it edifies you. Romans 8 says it's a language, what? That intercedes on the behalf of the saints, things we can't even understand with our own mind. We're praying things in a heavenly language to intervene, to intercede, to move on our behalf. Now, those are two huge, significant events, aren't they? When you think about Pentecost from the time Moses initiated it has happened throughout time every year, all the way up to this season. And today, here we sit in a church, some masked, some unmasked, with our social distancing, I don't know how well they did at Walmart and Marshalls and, and Lowe's and everywhere else with their social distancing. I know when I'm in those places, you know, everybody's just hanging out. But anyway, you know, I guess the church has to, whatever. Let me help you. We now haven't come into this third major event. That since the first plague that killed the firstborn children of Egypt, who were holding God's children in slavery with a plague, this is the first Pentecost actually that takes place following what? A Passover, like the one in Egypt, the first one, a Passover that God's people were shut in, what? Because of a plague. Not just a plague in the United States, a plague around the world. And because of a plague around the world, what happened? We had to do what? Be locked in. See, sometimes God uses people's own ignorance to get them prophetically in line with what he wants to do. You see, when you're all tore up about the trouble and the trials and the persecution, and you get anxious, you get angry, and all that, I do just like you do. But the key you got to realize is you got to look at it and say, Lord, what does this mean eternally? 
what does this mean and have to do with eternity? And what does it mean and have to do with me now? Because you could have had me born, God, in any age, any dispensation, but you chose this dispensation. You could have had me born in any nation. Now, we have people online watching that are not all from our nation. But you could have had me born in any nation, but I was born in the nation I'm in. I'm in a time where I'm free to worship God. I just got to do it with certain restrictions. Like, whatever. Just don't get me going. Um, I'm trying to stay saved here. Try. I'm working on it. I've been good. I've kept my mouth shut, so just don't criticize the preacher now. Now, where are we going with this? The last great spiritual experience and explosion happened at Pentecost when everything else pales into existence. You know, the great moves of God over time, that's great. But if it hadn't been for Pentecost, there wouldn't be a church. Not a spirit-filled, not a believer. No. So, look. But there was a tangible, manifested exchange of power on the Pentecost. First of all, actually there was power. God gave back. They took all their cattle, their jewelry, their wealth, their kids, and even the jewels and the wealth of the Egyptians when they left. So during that plague and Passover, by the time God got them up there to celebrate the Feast of Weeks and the day of Pentecost, they were wealthy, prosperous. Even though they were in the wilderness, they were looking for a home, but they were wealthy. There was blessing attached to it. Now, the next time in history we see a great attack was what? When Jesus was crucified. And when he was crucified, what happened? He rose from the dead. So after this manifested attack on God and God's people that everybody else thought it was over, but Jesus, the only way he could let them know it wasn't over, it was a new beginning, was to demonstrate it. So he pre he, after he rose from the dead, he went around preaching for 40 days and nights. He gave him the promise in Acts 1. And then in Acts 2, at the end of the Feast of Weeks, on the 50th day, we have what we call 50 or Pentecost, when there was a sound from heaven, as a mighty rushing wind, Acts 2 says, and everyone in the city was there for the Feast of Weeks, the big celebration, because that was the first fruit time. That was when you brought your first fruits to God, right? And so they were coming from all over the world, those who are Jewish and, and worship God and believe, and they were coming from everywhere. And what were they doing? They were in Jerusalem, and there was, you know, it was 20 times more crowded than it ever was, tens of thousands, probably over hundreds of thousands of people, by over 100,000 people at that time. And they're all crammed in with family, and they're probably out on the front playing cornhole in the dirt, and they're probably playing horseshoe, whatever. And all of a sudden, the Bible says it's like that's a mighty rushing storm, but there's nothing going on in the sky. It was a sound like thunder because that's the only thing they could explain anything loud being. And there was a mighty rushing wind, but there was no clouds. And it wasn't everywhere. It was in one spot. That's why the whole city, people from all different languages came to where the disciples were, the 120 were, because that's where the sound and the whirlwind and all the excitement was. And when they got there, remember Peter preached? said, these men are not drunk as you suppose, or is what, in the morning, and blah, blah, blah. And then he, they, all those people got saved, what was it, 3,000 saved and baptized right there. So you can imagine how many households are affected. And the church began. But after that second great event of Pentecost, what happened? We were spirit-filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit so we could operate. That's where the disciples began to operate as apostles. They began to operate in signs and wonders at a greater level, all those things. Now, here you are over 2,000 years later, 
And the only time since the first time of Egypt and then the second manifestation with Jesus that we were ever locked down in Passover was with COVID. Oh, COVID. God can make the devil serving. God can make a plague serving. God can make a virus serving. He didn't put it on us, but he knew it was there. Get this. And as we were all locked in, worshiping from home, I don't even know why we can't even do drive-up church or why we can't do... But through obedience, we got to set in and worship, not realizing this spiritual, prophetic mountain has been put in motion. And we are now just like the children who were in slavery and their children lived and the firstborn of Egypt had died, had came out of Egyptian bondage, just like the apostles and disciples in the first church that when they received the Holy Spirit, were baptized in the Holy Spirit, were endued with power, the Bible says. You and I live in a time to where the great third expression of all the Pentecost happened, and this is the first Pentecost day, 50, following a time when we were all locked in on Passover. What does that mean? That means trouble. That means agitation. That means stirring. The Bible says that when God moves like that, the earth groans and quakes. When Jesus took his last breath, the 40-foot-tall bell in the temple split, and there was an earthquake when he took his last breath. When the Spirit of God moves in such a powerful, poignant way, the earth is confused. And when pressure comes, what happens? What's inside comes out. If there's pressure on the earth and an earthquake happens, whatever's around it that can be shaken will be shaken. When there's a spiritual earthquake which is what we're in right now, just coming through, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So we look at our nation now. What do we see? Agitation. Terrasso, the Greek word. Terrasso, agitation, uh, confusion, movement. So with all of that, I want to bring you to a scripture God has on my heart for you. Go with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Because I think this kind of catches us up a little bit with the times we're living in. See, God gave us the great commission because it's not our mission. We're together in mission with one another and with him. It's a co-operation. It's a co-mission. Remember what I told you about politics before all this crazy stuff happened? I only ask you, even if you disagree politically, to do what? What was it? Love unconditionally and what? Love what? And do what? I wonder how much prayer of unity has been going on in the last week. Daddy's here now. Because now... I hate racism. I posted I hate racism, and it's a monster, and it needs to come down. It really does. And obviously, there's people in authority in places that are racist. But the majority aren't, but there are some. And I get it. I, 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 I get it. But what you can't do, guys, you are the last hope. Not the mayor not the governor, not the president, not the Supreme Court. You are the last hope of this world. And if Satan can get you bickering and fighting and throwing your, your stuff at each other, then he wins. We got to pray for unity. Why? Because here's, here's the great deal. Here's the great deal. We can go back and look at history and there's good and ugly. 
kind of like looking at your life over the last three months. There's good and ugly. Me, probably the last week, there's good and ugly. None of us are perfect. You can look at what's shaking and quaking around you, and you're no different than the world. You forfeit your anointing and power to make an eternal difference. Or you can draw in all of these horrible things and good things and say, God, what are you saying and what would you have me do or say? I didn't say you can't say something. I'm just saying when you're not prepared, don't say something. What I'm saying is, what are we doing as the church? What are we doing spiritually? Because here's the key, guys. As horrible as all this is, look what's happening in this nation. And we are the epicenter of the move of God because we are the ones that have ushered God around the world to Africa. And the reason I have revival in Africa is because of the American church sending missionaries. Any nation going, we sent missionaries. That's why there's been a great move of God over the last 200 years. Much of the world has been Christianized. Much of it didn't. But here's what I want you to realize, guys. I'm not saying don't acknowledge evil and don't acknowledge problems and don't acknowledge tribulations. I'm saying don't put your faith in them. Well, my faith's not in them. Well, if that's all you're thinking about and talking about, it is. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't say don't talk about things. I didn't say don't stand for something because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Just do it in unconditional love and do it in unity. If Jesus wouldn't type it, don't type it. If Jesus wouldn't amen it, don't go amen somebody that said something you wish you could say by like. But get before God. Pray and fast and let him give you a truth to post because you will win or lose influence based on what you say. So I didn't say don't do it. I'm just saying don't do it ignorantly or unprepared or out of anger. Why? I am telling you right now, church, we have a choice. We can be the answer. Well, what's the church done to this point? Well, what have you done? You're the church. Anybody here the church? We're the church. So we say, what's the church done or not done? Well, if you're a Christian, be careful. I'm really not nervous. I intended to get this deep into this. But I love you too much to allow fear and anger rob you of what God is setting up for what's next. Because he set stuff up for our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. But if we get stupid now, it all blows up. It's done. It blo- Boom, it's gone. So you need to really think when we're concerned about our families. What we as men and women of God are doing right now. Because when they go through it again, and they will... They're going to look back to what mom and dad or grandma and grandpa did. And I got to say, will we be proud or not? Quiet in the Holy Ghost Church. And I'm not just preaching here. I'm preaching to the world. I'm preaching. We've got over 3,000 people throughout the week view this. Probably more than that after this one. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So look at me in John chapter 5 and let me explain spiritually how this works. Jesus comes up here in John chapter 5. And let me read it to you. It said, after there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now they're in Jerusalem in the sheep gate, a pool, which which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time 
into the pool, stirred it up, stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of of whatever disease he had. Now, the King James says they were made whole. So wholeness, healing is not just physical. Healing is healing is uh, physical. It's provisional. It has to do with your finances and being healthy in that. It has to do with your mind. It has to do with your soul. Healing is spirit, soul, body. Jesus healed it all on the cross. <clears throat> after they, uh, well, after or whole, after whatever disease they had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Or let's say it like this, do you want to be made whole? That means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing left undone. So do I want to be heard or do I want to be made whole? Do I want to help others be made whole or do I want to be heard? That's what the church has to decide. We have to decide who we are in Christ and realize spiritually you're in the third greatest spiritual event that's taken place since the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. You hear people talk about it. Paul, you know, World War II and all that stuff. This has been more devastating than any of that. People don't understand it yet. They're still in COVID mode. They're just cool. But when their taxes go out the roof and everything else, you'll start to understand it. Your interest rates shoot through the roof. You'll understand. You'll keep going back to this day. So I want to get you ready and prepared so you can be the spiritual leaders you need to be, the financial leaders you need to be, the physically healthy leaders you need to be, so that you can lead during this time. Because I'm telling you right now, you're going to have surprise after surprise. You think this is a surprise? He ain't seen nothing yet. But I'm not in fear. I'm in faith. Because every time there's a great terrasso in the earth, God raises up a greater standard to overcome it. And here we sit on the 50th, Pentecost, after the second Passover, after the blood over the doorposts that protected them. You had a Passover every year, and then you had the Passover with Christ. Now look, we have a Passover that's tangible now where people were locked down and locked in. So what is that spiritually? So so I ask you this question, do you want to be made whole? Do we want to be made whole what so we can make others whole? And then it goes on to say, the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed. Now, he'd been paralyzed for 38 years, people. Took up his bed and walked. And the day was the Sabbath. Now, let's walk back through this slowly for a minute. So when Jesus came to this place called the Sheep Gate, Bethesda, the Bethesda means house of mercy, House of grace. House of mercy, house of grace. It also means outpouring, place of outpouring. So this, when Jesus came up where they brought the sick, the hopeless, and the helpless, the lepers, the paralytics, the blind, the lame, the deaf, when he came up to that place, it was supposed to be a house of mercy. Now look at this, and a house of grace. It was, but it was limited. Because it said, when he came up to Bethesda, the house of mercy, house of grace, the place of outpouring, the five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the what? The moving of the water. And when the water was moved, what happened? An angel of the Lord, notice now, when the water moved, for an angel went down at a certain time. 
So you got to understand the times and seasons you're in. The angel went down at a certain time. The angel of the Lord moved down at a certain, a certain time into the pool and stirred. Now there's that word terrasso. Stirred. It means to agitate. It means to move. So it stirred or agitated, moved the water. And when whoever stepped in first, after the agitation, I'm asking you, church, are you ready to be first? Are you ready to be first after the agitation and the anger and the anguish that's taken on in our nation, the the aggravation and the anger and the hurt and the bitterness and all the fear and muck and mire coming out of COVID and coming into this time? Are you willing to be first? Because it said the first one in the water was the one that the angel met and made whole. I'm asking you, do you want to be healed? Those of you in here that were abused as a child, we won't talk about it because kids are angry. You know what I'm talking, the worst kind of abuse a child could have by a parent or a loved one. Sooner or later, the only way you could be made whole is to say, I want to be whole and make a decision to be whole and receive God's grace to help you, right? But you can never be made whole until you make a decision. So I'm asking you today, whatever background, wherever you're from, are we willing to be made whole? Because if we are, the angel of the Lord, now I'm going to show you it's even more than the angel of the Lord will meet you there. But you could be met. Look at this. Now, verse 5. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity, this man, 38 years. So he was paralytic for 38 years. His family had to carry him, lay him there all day long with the rest of the impotent, powerless, sick, lame people. When you operate according to the standard of the world and CNN and Fox News and NBC, whatever it's supposed to be, ABC, CBS, all this mess, I can't even watch news anymore. Because they all lie. You can't get the truth. Everybody's got their spin. Every one of them. You need the discernment of God. That's what you need. You watch this junk. You read this junk. And then all of a sudden, your spirit is angered and you're upset. I mean, I got mad. Hey, do you believe me? I could. I believe in, uh, what do you call it when you have to execute a murderer? What's, what's it called? What? Capital punishment. I could have, that day, I could have given capital punishment with the video I saw. And I wouldn't have needed nobody else to do it. So let me, let me, I'm not coming from a place where I'm saying, oh, I'll just sugarcoat everything and let's just all kumbaya. That's the problem. The church has been kumbaya. We need some warriors that's not going to pick a side, but pick the side of God and make a stand. And even though we disagree politically, we love with no conditions and we pray for unity. And then God will empower us and give us favor in our communities and wherever we need to be to do what we need to do. But He will not do anything that we do not accept. That's why I said, if we want to be whole, we have to decide to be whole. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him laying there, when Jesus saw him laying there and knew he had already been in that condition for a long time. Now, let me ask this question. Jesus saw him laying there in the midst of his agitation, in the middle of his impotence, powerlessness, when he was his sickest, his vulnerables, in his trouble. It means, terrasso means agitation, stirring, trouble, anguish, anger. This man's laying there. 
and all this, his own feces, and he didn't have any bedpans. Right? He didn't have a nurse. He didn't have an IV in his arm. Every day, he laid out, laid out where it was cold or hot until they could pick him up and bring him home. So if you think Jesus can't see you in your most hurt time, you need to read this passage again. If you think that Jesus can't see you in your weakest, most impotent time or your most angered time or your most frustrated time, then you need to read this passage with an open heart and mind. And you need to get it in your spirit, man. Not get it in your spirit, man. You need to get your spirit, man, in your cervical, man. Because your spirit is supposed to be king and your soul be the servant and your body be the slave. But the problem is people let their spirit be the slave. You need to make sure who's on your throne. That your spirit man's on the throne, even when your mind don't understand it. So he saw this certain man there, right, with this infirmity. And when Jesus saw him, he knew what was going on, and he said to him, do you want to be made whole? I mean, isn't that stupid? I mean, you come up, you pick this paralytic of 38 years, and you say, would you like to walk and see and feed yourself and have a life. I mean, yeah. Right? I wonder why he didn't do that to everyone there that day. That was their hospital. That wasn't the only paralytic there. That, that, that wasn't the only impotent person there. That wasn't the only person that others that were blind and lame and deaf and lepers. But Jesus went to one man. One certain man, because he saw that that man had been in that shape for all those years. How did he see it? That man had to be releasing something, even though he didn't understand. Reaching out to God, even though he didn't understand. Praying, even though he didn't understand. I want to ask you right now, if you feel like you don't understand, reach out to God. If you, if you feel like you're impotent and you're powerless, but you're wanting to say or do something that maybe you need to think about first and pray about first, reach out to God. This man drew God into his terrasso. You see, there's trouble in the world. There's trouble in every city, all that, right? There's trouble in homes. But the key is, what are you doing with it? Are you drawing that to you? Are you drawing Jesus to your situation or other people that agree with you to your situation? You're like the little girl that couldn't get the date to the prom and she complains to all the other little girls that couldn't get a date to the prom or guys that couldn't get a date to the prom. We got to come to a place where we lead. We got to come to a place where we type something or say something, both sides go, man, that, that touched me. Thank you. Yeah. If it can't be that way, then we don't have Jesus in the middle of it. So either we believe John 3, 16 or we don't. Either we believe Acts 2 or we don't. But I can't believe those two if I don't believe John 5. Oh, what about this one? I have a new commandment for you. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Whether they're a Democrat, a Republican, an in-between, whatever it could be, should be, maybe. Black, white, red, Asian, Baptist, Pentecostal, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, nothing, atheist. He didn't give a requirement of here's the standard for you to love with. Because <laughs> he didn't do filio love, love through feelings and emotions and I love you if you love me. He just said love, agape love, un. Conditional love. So it's up to us what we do with what God's done for us. Now, now, Lutus says, 
The, man, the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the water. See, see, if you're looking to man as your answer, you'll stay impotent. If you're looking, you know, for a person to be your answer, I'm not saying you can't receive wisdom and, and all that, but there's just some things people just can't answer for you. I mean, kind of an intelligent God, isn't he? Because he wants to make sure sooner or later you're going to have to come to him. Some people don't come to him until they're on their deathbed and they finally have to come to him. But sooner or later, you will come to him and inquire. So, 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 so sir, I have, I have no man. Now, what was he saying? If I had a man that was right there with me early and soon as the water troubled, he pitched me in before anybody else could, because crippled people, it takes a while to get there if they're blind or something, right? But he could just pick me up and have me ready, and as soon as the water terrasso happens, throw me in it, and I just meet the angel of the Lord. I have no man. In other words, he was trying to solve his life crisis with knowledge he had. not the gift of God. So it's crazy. I can't even hardly get on social media. I look around and I see people I know and love and I know them and I go, that's not them. Well, that's me. I know what you're trying to say, but ah. Because we see other people do it say that we jump in and try to solve it the way we've seen maybe it could be solved. But what if you're building your life and it represents a building and you got a ladder to keep building, but the problem is to paint, you're painting a building, that's your life, and you get up to the top and you realize at the end of your life you painted the wrong building. What if you fight a cause your whole life and it's a cause that you weren't called to fight? Didn't mean it wasn't a good cause, a great cause. And I'm not saying don't fight racism. I hate racism. Sure, fight racism. I'm just saying do it intelligently. Oh, no, forgive me, Lord. The Lord just corrected me. He said it had nothing to do with your intelligence. He said do it through the anointing. Not through your mind, not through your knowledge, not through your intellect, not through some man's guidance or woman's. No, do it through the anointing. If it ain't anointed, shut up. If it's not anointed, don't hit a keystroke. If it's not anointed, if it's not anointed, don't go like it. Whatever you do, whatever you say, Jesus pulled a whip out in church and whipped people, but he was under the anointing. The money changers, he ran them out with a whip. So you can just go back and say, well, Jesus used a whip, bless God. But he only did it one time when the anointing was upon him to do it. Somebody else did it. That doesn't mean you're anointed to do it. Someone else said it. Doesn't mean you're anointed to say it. Woo. That's the dividing line. Because if you love unconditionally and pray for unity, you'll walk in the anointing. Don't walk in fear. You, you walk in fear and you're done. And 90% of the fear you're fearing, you'll never experience anyway. Live in the anointing. I have people all the time, why don't you do this? Why don't you say that? Not even about this issue, just church in general. And if pastor would do that and this and that. And a lot of times they want me to start a ministry or something. They're anointed to do it, but they don't have the faith to do it. But they're angry about something that needs to be done and it should be done. And they complain about the church and they go complain at the next church and they complain at the next church. And for some reason, nobody do it. Maybe because you're the one that's anointed to do it. Well, I'd do it if they'd finance it. Sure. You can draw a check if they finance it for you, right? Then that doesn't take any faith. Nobody financed Bethel. We'd put our life savings in and put it in a non-for-profit so you could sit there today and you've sown your life, many of you have sown your life and finances in this so we could sit here and stand here in an air-conditioning building today so we could be broadcasting over the internet and over social media. 
You paid a price. We paid a price. Let's don't stop operating under the anointing. Let's don't let any man, any woman, no one separate us. But let's stand for the anointing. In all of your guru intelligence and you try to explain, I mean, come on. Do you have your MDiv in sociology, psychology? Have you been a practicing psychologist for 30 years? Then, then really, you don't need to be given psychological advice. At least online. Well, the psychosis of, you know, there's things I preached, Paul, 15 years ago, I would have fought you over that I don't even believe anymore that I had to repent of. I'm not saying some heresy, just little inkling things within the doctrine and the way I flow and do. There's things I preached five years ago I wouldn't preach again. You're either growing or you're dying. So be careful when you post something or you say something publicly because it's out there forever. And you may be regretting it a year or 10 years from now. Amen. I'm getting an amen back there. Praise God. I need an amen. I know this is a little unorthodox and I don't really care. Go, go where somebody cares, I guess. I just care about the truth. I care about your eternity. I care about your influence. I care about your children and your children's children's children. I want a nation here for my grandchildren. I want a nation here that's united, not divided. I want a nation that finally does defeat racism. But getting everybody ticked off at one another isn't going to defeat anything except the kingdom. That's hot. The sick man answered him, I have no man to put me into the pool when the terrasso is stirring. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. I mean, are, are you one of those people that you're only as blessed as the person you've been watching if you're a little more blessed than him? I don't know. Jesus said to him, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. Now, he had a choice. I mean, he didn't say, here's what's going to happen. I'm the son of God, and I'm anointed, and I am Jehovah Rapha, the healer incarnate right now in front of you. And uh, when I speak to your body, things are going to come into place and muscles and tissues and nerves you never had and all this, and you're going to get a supernatural strength. It'd be one thing to be healed of a paralytic if they can move, but to all of a sudden get full strength to jump up. When you've laid there 38 years and never developed muscles and tendons, right? He could have explained it, but he didn't. Because the anointing never explains itself. The anointing demonstrates itself. So in all your explanation, you bring confusion. Why don't you just be anointed? And when you say something, it might be three words and it convicts everybody on social media that day. Because it has to do with love and unity. And hope. Faith. You're talking at the gas station or in the grocery store or at work. Is it anointed? If it's not, get out in your car and just scream, cuss, do whatever, kids, and then they repent after. Whatever, but don't. Don't step on the anointing because if you kill your influence, you, your anointing cannot be used and God has to skip and go to another person to anoint them because even if he anoints you, you've lost your influence. We look at great preachers of the gospel that still can heal the sick and raise the dead, but they, through whatever sin, whatever failure, whatever it was, they lost their influence. They might be the greatest singer, songwriter, preacher, anointed person, and a millionaire. But if they have no influence, it's worth nothing. I'm speaking to you from the Spirit right now. Travis said, can you send your notes to me this morning? I said, we'll see when I get there. This is fresh. 
You have one life, sir. You have one life, ma'am. Live it well. Don't sell out. Don't sell out to the news, a political party, a man, a woman, an organization. Sell out to God. Sell out to the Holy Spirit. Let your words be God's words. Let your touch be God's touch. Be used by God. He, Christos, means the anointed one. We are little Christoses, right? We are little anointed ones. But when you take the little anointed ones and you put the big anointed one on it, you're going to do things that no one ever dreamed you could do. Why does it seem like the greatest moves of God come from people people never heard of, like John the Baptist in the wilderness or somebody out of the blue from somewhere that no, they never knew or heard of, and they bring this great move of God? Because they didn't move or speak until they were anointed. You know, I pray for people, even online, we've been having people healed. Some of you in this room have been healed in some of our, just our calls, Right? But I don't go down through Walmart, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. I don't come in church every Sunday because healing people's fun. I mean, I don't do it. It's just God doing it. Too. I love it. You know, when people get healed and God gives me a word and I see that in their body and I yeah, and they get healed. Man, that's a high. That's awesome. But if I do it when I'm not anointed, it might as well be taking a pencil and dropping it on the ground. That's about how much influence it has. Let your words be anointed. But if your opinions are not anointed, your words won't be anointed because what's in you will come out of you. Man, I don't know if I'll have any friends after this, but I love you. I'll just, and, and, and I'm not right all the time, people. I'm, I'm not, not, but the Holy Ghost is. So if you don't like it, fight with him. Jesus said to him, rise from your bed and walk. What a miracle. Not just to be able to get up and stand, but to move and walk. And then look at this. And immediately, everybody say immediately. The man made well, was made well, took up his bed and walked. Listen, I'm a firm believer until he in his mind and he started the movement within him, there was no external movement. But because he, and he didn't really know who Jesus was but he felt the anointing. See, see, people won't understand you, but there's just something about you. And I just, you can talk to them and nobody else can talk to them. You can get through to them when you got time to be with them. It's like dating online and getting married online without ever coming together. You're trying to convince people of stuff and you're not with them. See, that's the live social media. You feel like you're known. You're not. You are known according to what you share. And how many of you know there's not a lot of truth shared? Those pics and the, I look, they go, who is that? That doesn't look like him or her. And, oh, okay, they did one of those pics. Okay, whatever. You know, if they meet you, they're going to find out what you look like. Okay, let me go on. I know the kids are here. Rise up. Everybody rise up. Rise up. Kids said, finally, preacher. Thank you guys, you kids, for being patient. Thank you for giving up, for forgiving us old people when we're like kids. My boys just look at me sometimes and go, Pops, whoo. Kind of kind out there, Pops. Listen. I said all that to set a tone. And it'd be great to have high praise right now and a hundred voice choir behind me and amazing stuff going on and 50,000 people here. But all they had in the upper room was a bunch of rock and 120 people with no heat or air conditioning, no kitchen, no bathroom, and God showed up. 
So wherever you're at in your home, in your car, at work, wherever you are today, and wherever you are in this sanctuary, we're all in it together. There's not a church here and a church there. We are the church. And if you want to step in to this amazing Pentecost anointing that is for the church, this is the very precipice. This is the very first moment. This is the very first day. You are in a spiritual signpost. You, as a believer, are a sign and a wonder. Now, every time these events happen, when it happened in Egypt, Passover, then Pentecost, when it happened uh, with Passover with Christ, and then the upper room, the Pentecost, the spiritual intensity, influence, power, and anointing went up every time. Can you imagine what the anointing you and I have to walk under after today? But if you don't see it, you can't have it. If you don't see it, you can't have it. But if you will look with spiritual eyes right now, there is an anointing to be tapped into. You know, whenever the disciples received it and began to speak in their prayer language and people got saved, they thought, how could it get any better? They, we were hiding. They were going to kill us. Now they're out here listening to us preach and we just baptized 3,000 men plus their families. I mean, life's good. But a chapter later, they get beaten and put in jail and threatened. But see, that didn't discourage them because they already had experienced the next level, the entrance of the next level, the anointing. And I'm probably blown away. I bet the apostles had an idea of what could happen. But I wonder if they could see us 2,000 years later what Christianity has done. And I want to ask you, saints of God, can you see what could be done through those kids hanging on to you right now? If you tap into the Pentecost anointing that this is only the third time that's ever existed like this, if we as adults tap into it, what will our children and our children's children do? When you go back to work, and you will, when you go back to work, you're not going back the way you left. From this moment forward, when you pray, you're not praying with the same level of anointing. You're praying with the next level anointing. And then what happens through that anointing, that experience, experiential communion and mingling with God, you're going to learn more. You're going to grow more. There's things I know and see. I could sit here for hours and teach you how God moves. And I don't know anything. I don't know anything. But I could sit here and say, that's God. Yeah, this is how he moves. That, that, that. Why? Because I've experienced it. I've either done it or been with someone that did it. I've seen it. I've tasted it. I know how God moves and when God moves. Now, I miss him sometimes, and sometimes I didn't understand. And then I go, oh, I learned, though. And I'm telling you right now, you're looking at me because I didn't get you all emotionally jacked up and jumping over your seats. Well, running through the big wide aisles, I guess. Or jumping over your end tables or flipping your lazy boy. Or wrecking your car or your truck. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. I say it every time I preach. I say it every time I witness. I can't, I can't and now I see why, Paul, because I, God has, I'm kind of naive and not so smart sometimes, and God's got to remind me of what's in me. That what's in me is greater than what's happening to me or around me. So when I let what's going on around me have too much attention, he has to remind me, get your eyes off that, put it on this and on this. And I'll take care of that. So wherever you are right now, if you want to receive this fresh anointing, infilling of the Holy Spirit, if you've never received it, I'm going to pray that prayer with everyone to receive it. And then if you have received it, just go on and pray it and receive a fresh infilling, and then we'll let you go. Just put your hands out like this. Baptism of the Holy Spirit comes the same way. Grace operates the same. Through one faith, one spirit. 
And just ask when you prayed for salvation, you were saved by grace through faith. When you pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your prayer language, you pray what? By grace through faith. So the charis, the charisma of God, the charis is here now. And all you got to do, the root word of charisma is creo. C-H-I-R-O in English. But it's the Greek word creo. It means anointing. So the very root word of gifts, charisma, is creo, anointed. Because you can't have God's gifts without the anointing. And if you want to receive it right now, the fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fresh anointing of God, you just open your hands wherever you're at, audience, wherever you're at, people in other cities, states, and even nations with us. We're one church. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and your spirit. I thank you for your truth. I'm a born-again believer. And I ask for the same grace now to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the fire of God from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, inside and outside totally immerse me in your spirit in your fire anoint me equip me to demonstrate your anointing to make people whole and to serve you well I thank you for my prayer language I thank you for the fire in Jesus name Give God a shout of praise. Give God a shout of praise.